Hello and welcome to DMs Anonymous, the newest Broken Jars podcast where we'll be talking all things uh, role playing uh, and what it's like to be a DM and you can't talk to your friends about uh, your campaign because they're all playing in it. And that's pretty much what's happening with me right now. Uh, my name is Jacob. Uh, if you've been listening, you've uh, heard me on 42 and High Fantasy and Great Scott. And now we are doing this D&D podcast once a month because I need another outlet for my obsession with Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, everybody else, once you introduce yourself, tell us about your campaigns and what you're doing and all that good stuff. Uh, I guess I, I, you might know me from the Dresden Files podcast, and I run right now. I'm running one active campaign. Uh, I have both run my own homebrew with five edition rules, and now right now we're running a Horde of the Dragon Queen because we never finished that the first time around. So we're like we're waiting for Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, and until then we're running uh, just a precon. Nice. Yes, that means it's my turn. Hi, I'm Ari. Uh, you probably don't know me from anything because I'm brand new at this. Uh, I've been playing various tabletop games for about 10 years, and I am currently running three-ish games, and I'm in two others because I have no control over uh, how many games I play because I love it. Um, uh, I mostly play Pathfinder, but I am going to be starting mm-hmm. running a... <laughs> I'm going to be starting to run a 5e game for uh, some of my friends on Sunday evenings. Um, Will this be the fourth? Say again? Will this be the fourth campaign? This will be the the third, I think. I need to go through and count because, yeah, so I'll be running one Saturday afternoons, which is Pathfinder, one Sunday afternoons, which is Pathfinder, one uh, Sunday evenings, which is 5e. So I like to kind of like stick my fingers into a whole bunch of different systems. Uh, I've done like the D6 Star Wars, Fantasy Flight Star Wars, Paranoia. I'm going to be doing an L5R sometime this summer. Uh, So quite a bit under my belt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You definitely, uh, I feel like a rookie now. I like, (laughs) I'm only running my second campaign ever. I've I've run a couple of campaigns. It's also been fifth edition, uh, but in the apartment, like with me and my roommates, who I usually play with, plus some other friends, we uh, we've played like you know uh, what what's it uh, what's it called the mass vampire the masquerade different versions of that. Oh nice! Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, we've played uh, now I can't remember the name. You fl- you flip cards. It's from two thousand four. Oh, uh, Deadlands. Deadlands. Yeah, uh, they played that a lot. That's with another GM. I mostly just I've, I've like spectated them. Uh, right. And right now, my roommate bought all the Void books and is really into trying to make a campaign in that. So he started GMing for the first time because he's like super into this whole. Uh, if you know what Void is, it's like a ruleless. So I think it's rules, but not a world. So it's like there's classes, there's races, but it's up to you to build the world. There's not a world associated with. It. And there's both hmm. both eighties action fantasy. And sci-fi with <laughs> stuff for each. <laughs> nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, my I guess because I never really got into what I've done. So I did a full homebrew of uh, Far Future 5e rules. And I created my own rules for like laser weapons and space combat and that kind of stuff. And uh, that game ran for about a year and a half before it 
just kind of imploded on us. And is there not a, is there not like variation rules in DM's book about at least laser weapons? I think stuff like that. Not yeah. so much. I, I um I stole a lot from the old uh, D twenty Star Wars that was based on I think three 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 point five. So oh, I. All right. I uh, I use a lot of that and some other stuff. And I also created like other backgrounds for people and jobs they could do to earn money and like that kind of stuff. That, so that was cool. And now we're running a much more traditional 5e campaign uh, based in a world we created together. That's a good segue into uh, today's main topic is session zero. How do you run it? What do you like to do, et cetera? Yep. Uh, for me personally, I'll usually try and take the other players aside, um, either through a chat or if we can meet up face-to-face, -face, uh, discuss the character concept, discuss how they fit into the world, whether it's a homebrew world that I've already made up or one that, uh, one that the players are already familiar with, um, and figure out whether or not they know any of the other characters already, whether or not they um, like what their history is, just figure that stuff out, make sure, and of course, make sure that their character sheets are properly filled out. Right. Uh, so w what we did for this current session is we played a game called Microscope from Lane Mage. Um, it came out like six, seven years ago. And what it is, is it's a world-building game. So everyone had a say in how the world was built, the different uh, chunks of time. So we have like six different, you know, 100 to 200-year chunks where different things are happening. And we have sub-events and those events and then sub-events and the sub-events. And just, yeah, so it was really interesting because, you know, now, you know, if we go to like, you know, the Forbidden Forest, all, all the uh, players are like, oh, shit, that's bad because they built it. <laughs> they know how terrible <laughs> that place is. And it, it's really cool because everyone sort of has a shared um, hold Connection. on the world. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I really recommend that. If in, I think the PDF is free. I bought the book off of um, DriveThruRPG for like 10 bucks, but it's really cool. And, you know, I also do like to like, um, get people connected somehow to each other. Um, so one thing I did in the current campaign is I didn't start in a tavern. I know, shocking. Uh, but I actually started <laughs> in. The, I started in the middle of an escape. So they're actually they started like the world. It was basically the Cave of Wonders dying on itself in Aladdin, and they're in the middle of that, and that's where they started. And they're running to start the campaign instead of meeting for the first time, they've already kind of met kind of thing. So I, I really thought that was a good way to go. Yeah. I've, my session zero is, um, it's usually like they, the, 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 we, like we have a discord usually and people like talk like, okay, so this is like kind of what I want to play. It's kind of what I want to play. And then people usually figure out together like, okay, so, like, do we know each other? And I, I like, they ask me if they, anything about the world, uh, and then I usually have like a, a session with one or several, like, for example, if some of them know each other, they have like a session together. Uh, or if someone is a loner, I have one session with him just where we like, we get to know each other. They, I kind of introduce them to this, the setting and, and that town they're going to start in. Like usually it's a, a, a why they're there. 
like a small story it usually takes an hour uh and then we just play a session zero and then usually, and then usually a week later we all come together for session one uh kind of lifted the uh, the whole concept of the wholesale from matthew mm-hmm. uh, that's that's how he did st- the start of campaign two and i thought it was a good idea yeah nice. i kind of did the uh did similar for um my big sunday afternoon game uh, because three of the players, um, it's based off of a game that I had played my first year in college, and it's a continuation of that campaign. Uh, so I took the three returning players, had their uh, session zero, because they were already familiar with each other, familiar with the setting, and then I took the two new players that we had and had the, each of their one-on-one um, session zeros to uh, they were both familiar with the setting because I wouldn't sh- shut up about it. <laughs> uh, just because, like, it was a really fun game, and uh, since the rest of us had been in it, they had uh, a pretty good idea because they had wound up joining our gaming group a little after we had finished that first um, campaign in that setting. Um, so, but at the very least, I was able to like get them in and fit them into this already pre-constructed world that already had a story that we are now building. Okay, well, I got a question because not all of us have enough time to have individual session zeros. So if y'all were going to run a session zero without individuals, how would you run it? <laughs> um, again, probably just like sit everyone down, make sure that everyone has everything filled out correctly. Um, and then just really quick go around the table, have uh, everybody introduce their characters, at least for my sake, and then just jump right into uh, wherever everybody is starting. I suppose I would do something similar. Uh, I th- I mean, the whole, you know, checking what if people fill out their character sheets correctly, that's, that's, I mean, that's a g- good idea. It's not really something I've had to worry much about because I'm very much more of, I'm actually probably not the, the, I might not be the person who's like best at the rules at the table. One of my players is way better at like reading every book. Uh, where I, uh, I've read a lot, but not all of it, and he's very good at remembering. But f- for me, uh, it's also more about you know telling a story together. Uh, but like session zero, like I've only done that with like individual small sessions. But I think you know what what are we suggesting is probably a, a good way to do a one if you're doing one together. Cool. And how about you? Uh, well. Like I said, um, I'll probably be doing microscope going forward. Uh, obviously, get people set up with their character sheets because every campaign I've run, I've had some noobs. Uh, also, you know, I've got a, a friend of mine. He's really good with rules and like, especially using roll twenty. So he's he, he'll he generally the first half hour just him helping people get the uh, get set up in in roll twenty. <laughs> you play online, Jacob, right? Yes. Like- through Discord or something similar? Uh, we use Roll20 and Zoom. So what we're using right now. Yeah. Um, and that works really well because I've got people spread across all over the place. Like, um, I mean, my last campaign, I had people, f- like we were like nine time zones, I think, apart, like across oh. everybody. And we had a guy in Utah and a guy in Scotland and everyone else in between. And right now... Right now, we're only split across two time zones. So that's that's how. Wait, is that right? Yeah, 
two time zones. So, you know, we're, we're, I'm on the East coast. Well, sort of East coast. I'm in Pittsburgh, PA. So Eastern time zone. And, uh, we got people in the central time zone right now. Uh, but yeah, all my, all the games I run have been online. Uh, I play in, I play in a game, uh, down the street from me. Uh, but that's the only live game, like live thing I have. Everything else is online. Yeah, I've I've only ever played in in live and real in person. I've never played on a roll twenty site. We use D and D Beyond at the table uh, when we're playing fifth edition, which is what we're only playing when I run it. But I've never tried online, which is like I mean, it's it's it seems interesting. Uh, it's with stuff like roll twenty. I actually use Google Sheets a lot uh, when I first started for like maps and stuff. It worked pretty well. Uh, but um, Roll20 really helps. Uh, they have some really cool features where you can hide stuff that the players can't see and you can do like dynamic lighting. So if your character sheets are filled out correctly, your character can only see what your character could see like on the map. So it only illuminate that much. And if you don't have dark vision, it'll be dark if you're in a dark place and it'll be like foggy if it, you know, you don't have like true sight or whatever. So it really helps in the, um, like, even though I don't like the fact that the one game I'm playing in on roll 20, um, they don't let me roll real dice. Cause, cause in roll 20, you just click like, a spell and it rolls it for you which is really nice for a lot of people but i do miss roll real dice i mean i have i've seen people on reddit use roll 20 and like in combination with sitting around a table where they use a big screen and they use that to you show and run the maps and do the combat mm -hmm. which i think is probably my ideal scenario yeah is Using World 20, but all together in real like mm -hmm. that's how I would want to do it if I had a big ass screen TV to just put down on the table. <laughs> yeah, I've thought about doing it because you can run it all off a of Raspberry Pi and like you can get a used TV here, at least here in the States, for like 100 bucks, like super cheap, and just run it off of that. But I, I don't have enough live people to, to do that yet. One day. I'm missing yeah, space to do it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I used to do most of my games in person, but since I've moved, uh, pretty much everybody else is uh, back up north where I used to live, and so now it's usually like every other weekend I can usually snag one of my players, and because uh, uh, he lives even further south of me, so um, sometimes I can snag him and bring him up here, or I'll go down there and. We can actually run um, solid three of the games that I'm in, at least with two people together. So that's nice. But aside from that, we've usually been using uh, either Skype or we actually just switched to Discord for uh, for one of them because Skype is uh, not super great sometimes. It's and not, we've I mean, had a lot of issues. I'm happy I don't have Skype on my computer anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. That's... Uh... Yeah, it, this one reason I use, is I actually pay for Zoom, is just like I was tired of the issues with the free software. Yeah, yeah Discord yeah. has some connectivity issues a lot, uh, in my experience, where people start kind of robotting and lagging out a bit. The, uh, yeah. the video slash audio feature in Roll20 is actually pretty good, uh, if you ever want to try to use that. 
Yeah, it's been a long time since I've used Rule 20, and I haven't had superb experiences with it. But again, this was like two, three, four years ago. What do you use uh, to run games with, online then, if you don't use Rule 20 when you play? Uh, we actually mostly do like Theater of the Mind. Um, we don't really use miniatures or maps. Um, if it's super dire, I'll try and uh, draw out just a really quick map just to visualize where everyone is. But for the most part, um, at least for games that I've run, it tends to be a little looser with placement. But uh, I'll, I'll at least tell players, like, okay, you're within 30 feet of uh, who you're fighting or you're within 60 feet. But that's also just because Pathfinder tends to be uh, at least the way that I've played and the way that I was kind of taught, um, it, it tends to be a little easier with um, placement for uh, either spell effects. Uh, I mean, melee is pretty easy for, because I mean, like, as long as you're within those couple of squares, then it's fine. I mean, I'm, I, I see the appeal of Theater of the Mind. And I definitely play D&D more for the story than the mechanics. But I also feel like there is definitely a, a place for the using a map, miniature, oh, and mechanical play. Uh, I, have, I actually have a hard time, for, but I haven't played Pathfinder, but I've just heard about it, to imagine Pathfinder with Theater of the Mind because there's so much mechan like you know flanking and like all these like different kind of modifiers to combat that's not in fifth edition i would actually think fifth edition would be easier to run as a theater of the mind thing than pathfinder possibly um again it's just kind of uh just i, I think that because like the group that i've been playing with we've been playing for uh, going on four years so I think at this point, it's also just this is how we're used to playing it, which is a horrible thing to say. So, uh, but I mean, it works for us and we have fun. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what kind of matters most. Yeah, I mean, it's, as long as however you play works for the group you play with, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I said, and I shared in the chat, and this won't be the best thing for podcast people, but you can actually use Google Sheets pretty well because everyone can edit the sheet at the same time. So you can move, it's a, it's a pretty easy way if you want something free and easy to use to uh, create a, like a, you know, map. So like for, for what, what I shared, I actually recreated the, the first dungeon from Zelda 1 for my, my players to play through. Nice. Yeah. So each square uh, in the sheet would be a square in yeah, game. Five foot. And so in so I just create all the rooms in different tabs down the bottom and then uh you know went from there. And so yeah, it it worked really well because you know everyone can edit at the same time and you can put you know, just say, Hey, people are here and you can do like initiative and stuff in the other cells and so it worked really well until we until we transitioned to roll twenty. Like, Roll20 is great, but it is cumbersome to learn. Like, it's... Yeah, and that's just uh, part of it being such a uh, robust um, uh, website because, like, it does have so much, but you do have to make sure everything is filled out correctly for it to function properly, or at least function as intended. Right. So, what, I was, uh, what are your, some of your favorite tools to use as a DM? Uh, D&D Beyond probably since they released that's probably my favorite 
definitely use D&D Beyond for the 5e game that I'm going to be doing. Um, but since I do Pathfinder, just all of the D20 PFSRD sites are phenomenal because they're so stinking much. And um, aside from that, uh, I mean... I use either Google Docs or uh, Word to keep track of a lot of stuff. Um, Discord, obviously. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I really like is uh, for encounters is Cobalt Fight Club. It does a really good job of helping you generate uh, encounters uh, because you can set like how difficult you want the encounter to be, your party level and uh, size and be like, hey, just generate one for me. And it'll get, it's a good, like, I don't, I, gen, I very rarely just like straight up use what it generates, but it's a good place to start. Especially if I want like, hey, I want one particular bad guy in this. So I'll like, I'll select that bad guy and let it generate everything else to have an appropriate encounter. And I really like that. I've used a couple of things, like when they just like go completely off script and I need to... And I, I, I try to, I want it to be a balance, but I usually want to try and get, have a combat encounter in, in each session. Uh, so unless they, they're just doing like a full city, a city session where they're just shopping and running around. But it, I've used that before as well. And it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love shopping episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how, how often do you feel like uh, you have to like ad lib? <laughs> uh, well, when I run my home homebrew, you know, an actual like... It's also very different, right? Because when I run the, an, a, what I would call more classic D&D, where it's like a world you made up and you give your players a lot of freedom, uh, I ad-lib like a lot because they go way off script. Like, like I have some things prepared for where they are and I try to move that in front of them because they'll never get to it themselves probably. <laughs> uh, but when I run... Something like uh, Horde of the Ranking Queen that we're doing now, it's it it runs very differently, right? We don't really do it session zero. It doesn't like uh, we just we started. We go and they like kind of just like they try to stay on the rails. They realize that you know if you go off script here, it's like I'll I'll make something up if you want, but I mean I'm not sure how we're getting back into this the actual plot that we were supposed to be when you play a precon. Mm-hmm. You start going too much off script. But they're pretty good about accepting, you know, that a precon is different than what we otherwise do. I can absolutely agree to that. Because um, I've only run, I think, one or two, um, like, modules, pre-made modules. Uh, for the most part, it's uh, games that I've, uh, like, generated the story for. But it usually, for me, starts out as, like, a very loose and then I let the players uh dictate okay this is where we want to go uh these are the threads that we've been given and um these are the are the ones that we're going to pull on to continue the story and it definitely makes for a lot looser I guess uh so there is more improv involved in it uh but at the same time as long as I have something prepared for whichever path they go on, um, uh, the improv just kind of like starts falling into place is the best way that I can uh, put it. 
Yeah, I mean, often if you prepare stuff, it's also about like, like I said, like moving it in front of the players if you're running an like a not precon campaign, uh, and and if they don't run into something cool you prepared, just put it in the folder and just save it. Like maybe retool the theme slightly and save it for mm. something else. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My one, the last campaign I ran, my players are like, I'd have all this stuff prepared and they were like we're gonna go this way instead so it's like oh, yep, there you yes. go <laughs> <laughs> and that's i i tend not to have rails too much and that's one reason i have to ad lib a lot you know it's on on me but like I, I tend to try and build places with things for them to do and a lot of times they just don't do it <laughs> yeah, that, yeah i mean i definitely try to keep it very open this one like this, this, my biggest homebrew campaign I made myself. Uh, they were assisting a lord, uh, and they were at a party. And at that party, they didn't, they didn't bump into the fact that the lord and his most trusted, uh, like the guy who runs the, the the guards, were both like like subverted, mind controlled, uh, and they didn't, they didn't discover that at the party. So I was hoping, like, okay, I'll, I'll act this guard guy, like, really differently and dismissively. And, like, because before they were rather friendly, and I was kind of hoping they would pick up on that. And they did, just didn't realize at all. And, and I was just, like, like uh, when we talked about it way later, they were like, well, he just sent us away. He didn't have, like, a mission for us. No. But didn't you, didn't you notice that he acted, like, really differently? He's like, no, it just seemed like he had a bad day. I don't know. <laughs> like, Damn it. Like, you didn't pick up on the punch <laughs> Now this, now but this, hey, whole, now the whole city state is doomed because the, the Lord has been uncontrolled by that <laughs> little guy you were chasing. Actions and inactions have consequences. Yep. I've uh, built up this cool villain who's like, he, I left clues and he, he'd been doing all kinds of things to subvert this Lord's domain. Uh, and they found several letters that was left behind by his, his minions, people he'd helped like uh, do evil shit. And like I was like, oh man, now they're gonna like now they're gonna realize he's been mind controlled and it just didn't pick up on it. I was like, damn it. <laughs> so you already transitioned to the mailbag segment? I believe so. Yay. <laughs> uh, okay, so what is a system you have not tried but really want to? Oh goodness. Ari's like, what haven't I tried yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um I'm trying to think. Uh, I have yet to do a total war game, like a uh, uh, Warhammer 40k. But I've um, I've heard about it for like eight years, and because um, the that whole um, Darwinian uh, character creation, uh, green. Text. I actually saw the character creation of that because my roommates are playing it with another guy, and I was just in the living room, like hanging out, because uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna play it, but in Elder Scrolls. But I saw huh. and the character creation seemed super cool. Oh yeah, totally. Um, but I, I think that's one that like the first one that comes to mind that seems uh, really cool, really interesting, and uh, that I haven't had the chance to play yet. I also just haven't had the chance to play a whole lot of Warhammer 40k or 40k. Um, but like I've heard a lot about it. I've played I think like two one shots. Um, but uh, it's definitely one that I would like to try and get into. It's wargaming, and um, like, it seems like a lot of fun, because I had friends in high school who did it. Um, 
a clarification question. Do you mean something I've tried playing as a player or something run I would like to run as a dungeon master? Either or. That's not super specific in the mailbag. <laughs> because I have tried. That was actually my second. I've, I've been a player a couple of times. And when I first started uh, like playing role-playing games, the first one was uh, like Vampire the Masquerade Mortals. And the second one was Iron Kingdoms as a player. And I would actually like to run a campaign in Iron Kingdoms. So I really like the the world. The system seemed okay. Uh, so, like, I think Iron Kingdoms is a dungeon master, and something I've never done at all is the system my roommate got, the Voin, the that just like build your own stuff. Here are the rules for it. That also seems like cool. I'd really like to try Fate, just because uh, that's where the Dresden RPG is. And mm. I've actually converted a couple of the mo- Dresden modules into 5e to sl- <laughs> slot into my campaign. And it just looks really interesting, and I've heard some good stuff about it. And I also think the Firefly tabletop is fade as well. And I completely forgot about one as well. <laughs> okay, which one? Mistborn. I really want to do that. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> That's a book series by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, yeah. I know the book series, but is there a, is there a tabletop? There's a tabletop for it. Mm. There's a tabletop like for everything. there's a tabletop for pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my friends found a uh, Borderlands tabletop that he wants to run a one-shot for. So that'll be interesting. Hope that goes mm. well. Apparently, yeah. there's not an Elder Scrolls one. That's why they're using the uh, Warhammer. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Section. Ooh, it does look interesting. Look at the Mistborn one right now. Hmm. Very cool. Huh. That's cool. Uh, but, but yeah, the f- fate just looks really interesting with like the shared dice and the plus minus system instead of like, you know, rolling numbers. Um, it's way more storytelling heavy fate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we're kind of getting into it. Like we were talking about me running a dress in the finals one, but it never happened. But we got the book. Uh, and it just seemed like when I was reading it, it does seem like very story driven, which is cool. There's a lot of, I think there's like four or five Dresden Files one shots that are free on Drive Through RPG. If you want to pick them up, Fair just enough. read. Yeah. Every time I hear Dresden Files, I think about uh, World of Darkness because there are a lot of uh, similarities. Um, yeah, I mean, it's but, urban fantasy, right? So yeah, of- exactly, exactly. So, um, but there's so much just in World of Darkness, so many slots, so much customization. And um, it's one of those things where, like, you have to pick out, like, okay, what's what splat is going to work best for the group that I'm playing with? Mm-hmm. Okay, what what's the best session you've ever run, or slash most fun you've had running a session? Oh boy, um, I think for me it has to be the um, uh, the Sunday game that I'm running right now. Uh, the very first session coming back. Because uh, it was the first time playing with these characters in like three and a half years, um, along with two new characters, or a couple new characters actually, um, three new characters rather. And uh, so we, uh, I had them going to a university to meet with a new contact and to meet with the uh, person who was hiring them. Uh, to go off on this new grand adventure. And um, they went and had to go fight something, of course, get the new people who hadn't played Pathfinder before uh, used to uh, the system. And then one of the players sat out of the fight because she was like, 
no, I'm just going to sit, sit by, see how they do all of this. And at the end of the fight, um, there was a claw stuck in the wall uh, left over from the fight. And she's like, ah, yes, I'm going to go pick that up. And like over the course of her, like trying to grab this stuff, the rest of the party was realizing, who exactly are you? And then it was revealed that, oh, she's playing a cultist for the, uh, the big bad evil that the party dealt with the last campaign. So, and just like watching the players interact, figure this out, and just phenomenal role playing on everybody's part. And it was so much fun to watch, so much fun to play. And I'm so excited for the stinking game. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent and uh, word vomiting, but uh, it was it was definitely a lot of fun and one that like really sticks out in my mind. I mean, it's hard to not go on a tangent when you talk about like anytime you tell about a session, right? Because you gotta talk about your best session. It's gonna yeah, be, yeah. Hmm. What was my best? I think it might have been because like they really loved that quest and it was so much fun to do and it was fun to play the character for me as a, as dungeon master was there was this i got the, i think i i guess i partly got the idea from a, a picture i saw on reddit which was like uh basically the idea was that there was this noble girl like noble uh just uh, adjacent to this uh town i've already told you about uh uh, and her brother, they were in town. They were like handing out flyers, where like they were looking for her her friend, uh, which was uh, as, uh, the fire suggested. It was basically like, it was a pig. Her pet pig was had gone missing. And meanwhile, the players were on a on a, a quest to uh, eradicate a troll that had uh, veered close to the town. And then, as it turns out, that uh, this troll was actually this gir- little girl's best friend, the pig, who was like disformed so instead of looking like an evil troll he had the face of a pig and he was not evil so he was bullied by all the other trolls and had ran away and made friends with this girl and then when they find him and he was like he was kind of i played him like a little like bumbly and like like and they like they 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 loved him and they like took him under his wing and they convinced the mother when she found out it was a troll she she wanted none of it and she's like no no listen he they love each other they're best friends He's moving in here, and they like they they got him to have like a little like a little house on their their landstead and everything. I was like, it's really great. I was afraid they were gonna kill him. I was gonna have to be like when they found it, like, oh, there's the troll. Just go go kill kill kill. No, don't ask any questions. And then afterwards, they would realize that it was her pet pig. They could have gone that oh way. Didn't they? They saved the pig and got him home. That's, that sounds phenomenal. That's super cute. For, uh, probably my favorite is. I ran a heist of a casino, and it Ocean was... 13? Huh? And the Ocean 13? Oh, it, it was actually based off Ocean's 11. 11, yeah. And I, and I used the, the, the real floor, floor, pay, floor plan, there we go, for the Bellagio. So they were actually, like, oh, running God. around the casino, and but each one had to do their own thing. Like, one of the guys was, like, involved in, like, this card like poker tournaments i was actually like i figured out a way to like roll cards for uh in with like d20s and stuff so that was really interesting and um 
And so we had like people going down the vaults, like people hacking systems. And then like, they were like, Hey, we want to do this really crazy thing. I'm like, well, if you roll a 20, you'll do it. And they want to do this, like this, this wall run, like matrix style, like in oh my while gosh. also like knocking somebody out. And I was like, the only way you're going to do this, is if you roll a 20, the fucker rolled a 20. I was like, holy shit. So he's like running on the ceiling, like <laughs> snapping this dude's neck and the alarms are going off and they're running. <laughs> it was super crazy. Like, and so, and you also got the guy who's like having to like hack in real time. So I like created this whole thing where he like rolling challenges, different, like to get past the, like firewalls and password protection. So he's like rolling all these dice. And we also had this other guy, like, you know, making sure the ship is ready to go. And so like everyone was really involved, but they were split across all these different areas and, but they were having to work together at the same time. And they had like a way to communicate because this was like my far future campaign. So they were all like going back and forth and, you know, actually, cause we were doing it over zoom. So I would put up on the screen a timer and they had to make decisions in like 30 seconds. Like each player had like 30 seconds to actually make a decision or they would fail. And that, that was, holy a lot cow. Of, that was a lot of fun just cause it was so fast paced and like everyone was like trying crazy stuff and you're like, wow, y'all guys imagination is crazy. <laughs> holy cow, man. That definitely sounds like a lot of fun. Cause I feel like with most of my games, um, like I, I like to give players time to like think about stuff, uh, just to make sure like, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but to have like a really fast-paced uh, game like that definitely sounds like a huge change of pace and definitely something that I think people should try at some point. Uh, it, it definitely sounds like a lot of fun, though. And I also set it up to where I had I could like broadcast audio, so like every like minute or so, I'd play like the red alert sound from Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Into their ears, just just to heighten it. I've always wanted to do more time stuff in my campaigns, but my players are like, they kind of don't react too well on it. They don't like getting stressed. They want to like, they're the want to take their time kind of people. A, um, a chess, a chess clock works really well for live stuff. Cause they can like, when they're ready to decide, they can slap the time timer off. But yeah, I, I feel, I feel that it works really well in on live stuff. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, D and D doesn't have a timer. But introducing it does make for some really interesting decisions. Yeah, I mean, I, think, I feel like there's definitely a place for it, and I want to do it more because there are situations players get themselves into where like this is time sensitive. Like, gonna have to make a decision fast. Mm-hmm. And I also really like doing the like the auditory stuff. Um, I ran a can. I ran. It was part of a campaign, but it was sort of a one shot too uh, for Halloween. And so, like, using Roll20, I found all this, like, really eerie, creepy, like, music with, like, storms and stuff. And I was playing that the entire time we were playing. And it really set the mood of, it's dark outside, it's rainy, it's nasty. It's dark and stormy night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we were running a, there's a, a custom thing on, I found on DriveThruRPG, it's called House of Poe. And it's all about, like, it's all based around Edgar Allan Poe's stuff. And it's really, it was really fun to play. I do always do, uh, at least at the minimum, I do usually do mood music. I always have, like, like different playlists for some for battles, some for taverns, some for, like, creepy, some for those, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, but I've also done some sound effects, but I've never really found something I really like a program that was I've that was free that I like. Most of them cost a fair amount of money. Uh, the best, well, the easiest one to use. There's one on Steam for like five bucks that works really well. Oh, what's that called? Uh, I'll have, like I pull it up. Uh, so okay, so here's a question: uh, Do y'all try to do voices for your NPCs or no? Oh, definitely depends on the character. If I feel I can do a character voice without uh, getting people into giggle fits or uh, or even worse, uh, doing a voice that's a, like, as long as I can do a voice and it's not offensive, then I'll usually at least try it. But like, if it gets too distracting, then I'll just drop it. Um, but I actually met most of my current group through like a voice acting, uh, voice acting in college. So uh, we we all have critical role like mini. <laughs> um, oh, I, I I wish, but um, no, it was um, like we all at least have that kind of foundation. Like we all know, like okay, we're giving it a shot and. Uh, if it works, sweet. If it doesn't, then it's not going to totally break the immersion if if we're incapable of using a voice out of particular. I always do voices and accents and stuff within... I'm not saying I'm good at them, <laughs> but I try to give my character... For example, that uh, the troll, he talked like, uh, 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 I don't know. Like that. Yeah, I try. I'm terrible at it, but I do try. But the hardest part is like not being offended with it. Because there's definitely one time yeah, exactly. where there's definitely one time where I'm just like, hmm, that's probably was. I'm glad that's not going to be on the internet <laughs> kind of moment yeah. with some voices. But the uh, program is SoundPad, Andreas, and you can. It's really it works really well, and you can it'll broadcast audio when you're on like a VoIP, you know, Skype or whatever. And in real life, just like I usually send it. Over. Yeah, yeah, you could, well, I don't know if you could use Chromecast or not. There's, there would be a lot of different ways to use Chromecast that we could talk about, but yeah. And, but I do, when I do, like, try to do voices, when I'm creating the NPC, I'll actually, like, put a, there's a little section in when I'm creating the NPCs, like, it talks like this, and so I actually have it written out, so I don't, I'm not trying to, like, make it up on the fly. Right. Okay, how about, uh, what is your opinion on instant Death traps, enemies, areas. Do they ever work or will they always lead to the party dying stupidly? Uh, I personally am not a huge fan of instant death stuff. Um, but that's also because I like doing like super narrative games um, that like everybody has their part to play. Everybody has uh, like a role to fill uh, story-wise as well as uh for just mechanics wise but uh, if it's for a one shot i'd feel more comfortable with it just because it's not a pre-established game or pre um it, like if we're only going to be using these characters uh for uh, like maybe three or four sessions at the most then i would feel more comfortable with it but i feel it can be a little cheap um but at the same time just knowing the history of dnd it's like well <laughs> uh, that's, that's what happens you you died sorry uh we're up a new character so I, I think it very much depends on the type of game you're playing and the player yeah. you just have to gauge that I, I mean i let the dice fall where they may 
and if a character dies, a character dies. But I'm not a fan of setting something up where if they make a mistake, they will instantly die. Like some pitfall trap that would like for sure kill them. Like twenty d six and rocks uh, rocks fall, everyone dies. Yeah. I prefer not to do that. I prefer to give them a possibility to uh, avoid. If there's something like that, I prefer. I would like. I would give them ways to avoid dying to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I've never used an instant death trap uh, in a campaign. Uh, I had a friend come up, and so we ran uh, the five E version of Tomb of Horrors, and mm-hmm. uh, and they know that's terrible. And they both died in the first 20 minutes. So I was like, all right, we're just going to restart. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, I don't like it. Um, again, like sort of like Andreas, I do let the dice fall where they may for yeah. the most part. Um, like if, if it's in generally on all fudge rolls through the first two levels, like if we're starting campaign at level one, because it's so easy to accidentally kill somebody at level one, you know, mm-hmm. like I've got a, my character right now that I'm playing has got like nine hit points at level one, you know, and that's like, yeah. if you, if you crit, they're dead. And so mm-hmm. like in the first combat of the new campaign I was playing, I critted five times and oh. I was like, I, I just like, I was like, I would kill the entire party and that's no fun. <laughs> and so I just, that's, that's not instant death. That's, you know, you knocked them unconscious and they are dying. They need to be right. stabilized. But, right, yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely nerf some of those roles. But basically, what I do in campaigns is I rush them up to level three. Um, and if everyone is has played before, I'll start on a level. Because I think that's where like, D&D gets really fun is like level three to five. Because uh, yeah. you start getting your subclasses and spells and all that stuff. So, but... You know, whenever I have new people, we start at level one. Whenever I've played uh, either 3.5, Pathfinder, or 5e, I've pretty much exclusively started them out at level three or higher. Um, just because there is that huge risk of, you know, accidentally killing a character in the first, like, three sessions. Um, I actually had that happen to me with um, uh, the game that I'm running, the first campaign based on that setting. Uh, one of my friends, his character died, like, first three rounds of combat because we were playing at, like, level one, level two. So it was just like, well, I guess it's time to bring a new character in. But uh, but that's the character he's using now for that game. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, my friend killed a guy because, for whatever reason, he thought throwing a gelatinous cube at us at level one was a good idea. <laughs> so this the one guy... Out of context, my friend killed a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dude, what are you doing? Because like uh if you're in the cube in 5e, you instantly fail your death saving throws. Mm-hmm. So he just killed the guy. I'm just like, dude, yep. what are you thinking? He's like, I tried to nerf it. I'm like, no, that's like a that's- fifth level enemy. Whoops. Uh. So uh, we're about it's about time to start wrapping things up. So uh if you want to you know, give a shout out to anything you do on the interwebs. Uh, you can find me at, at Jacob Ingalls on Twitter. Check out brokenjars.xyz uh, for our other podcasts. If you want to give us some of your hard-earned money, please go to patreon.com forward slash brokenjars. Uh, yeah, and so I am currently uh, also in the Great Scott podcast, which is a podcast about The Office. So if you're a fan of Michael Scott and 
Jim Halpert. Uh, please check out that podcast. We are in the final season, so we have 60-something episodes for you to catch up on if you want to do that. Uh, but yeah, just check me out on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty active there, so if you want to say hi or if you want to become a Patreon, we have a Discord that you can jump in and hang out with us. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at. Everybody else? Well, on the Broken Cross Network, I do the Dress the Tile podcast. Uh, if you are into that book series, come check us out and commiserate that it's been five years with me. And it's uh, and if you're not in that book series, get into the book series because it's awesome. It's, uh, it's probably the one of my f- f- it's probably my favorite book series of all time. Uh, so yeah, other than that, uh, I stream occasionally on Twitch. Uh, Lands QTE. Uh, mostly RPGs like MMOs, Path of Exile, stuff like that. Uh, I'm not super, super active online. Uh, I'll plug my Twitter. Uh, it's an Ari. Um, but I'm looking to start doing some streaming once I uh, upgrade my laptop a little bit. Um, mostly I do art and uh, a little bit of games. But um, I'll just leave it at that. Maybe, maybe next time I'll have uh, something else to plug. So we'll see. And if you're, if you want to send us mailbag questions, email us at brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com and put in uh, DM mailbag in the title, and we'll be sure to give you a shout out and read your question. So uh, yeah, I think it was a good first show. Thanks everyone for coming. To all the new listeners. Uh, Hope you enjoy this as we keep going forward. Bye. Bye. Bye.